going on, Victory Church? Let me hear you. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor Victory Church. And if you're visiting with us this morning, I want to say welcome. Thank you for giving us your Sunday. It's a good Sunday to be here. Everybody say why. Two reasons. Number one is because people will get the opportunity at the end of the service to either commit or recommit their lives to Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? That's going to be an incredible thing. We, we, we get to praise God and um, kind, of, kind of celebrate that at 15 weeks, we've seen 26 people commit or recommit their lives to Christ. And we're just celebrate that. That's what we're about. That's what we believe is that people need to, get, uh, need to have an opportunity to be able to, again, commit or recommit their lives to Jesus. And here's the other reason. Here's the other reason you should be excited about today. It's because people have been able to use their gifts to serve God this morning. Can I hear you? I was so excited, man, being able to see people who, who finished growth track and they were meeting in Dream Team Care and getting some breakfast and they're serving in different first impressions, production, kids doing different things in worship. I'm so excited when I see people operating in the gift God gave them to not just uh, make money and better, better the world, but to be able to impact the kingdom of God and most of all impact you. And so that's one of the things we celebrate the most here, which is why you hear Malcolm talk about growth track, growth track, growth track. Uh, a couple of things we got going on. If, if, if you leave out this morning, you want to grab one of these. One is a calendar for just some events that are happening. It's got the Flourish Conference, Baby Dedication, uh, Guys Night. Uh, tomorrow morning, we will set up donuts and coffee and a big thank you to all the teachers of Rock Springs Middle, and we'll be able to serve them and love on them. So you get to be a part of that. Regardless if you're there or not, you're a part of that because you're a part of Victory Church and because you sow financially. And so we will set up over, over I think, 12 dozen donuts uh, with, with coffee, Starbucks coffee and thank you and just say, hey, thank you for what you're doing. And then also is this right here, which is the greater prayer. We started this series uh, believing that we were going to pray these six things over our family, over our marriage, over our finances, over our life, and see God do something great. Because this series is not just about God doing something great in the church. Obviously, we want him to do something great in and through the church, but it's more about him doing something greater in you and in your marriage and in your household and in your kids and in your job and those different things. So on your way out, if you don't have any one of these, grab them. Um, Again, as Malcolm said, I want to share with you, as you saw, my story at tnvictory.com is just an opportunity for people to send emails and share what God's doing in their life uh, through victory and just period. God doesn't have to be doing it through a church. God is always moving, is always operating. But we just get to be a vessel uh, to be able to use and, and be able to present what God's doing. And so I want to share with you, Marquia sent me an email. And it's going to be funny, she doesn't know this, but it's actually going to play all throughout the sermon. And so I want to show you real quick, I'm just going to introduce this part of it to it. It says, when you started speaking about good to great, this was the very first sermon we talked about, in order for you to uh, really grasp great, you got to let go of good. When we started speaking about good to great, it made me think, I've been experiencing some good to great in my life with regard to work. I was recently promoted to a management position, and OMG, this was a process in and of itself. Change frightens me. I had to test for the, anybody else change frightens you? Anybody else? Just, just me and you, Angie. It's okay. Everybody else is going to lie in church. It's cool. <clears throat> the only time change isn't scary is when it comes to a diaper, right? Amen? Okay. Change frightens me. I had to test for the position. This caused anxiety and was almost the reason I did not apply. Man, she's preaching my sermon right here. I was afraid to fail. Anybody been afraid to fail? So you just didn't do it. Oh, there you are. Welcome to church. Here we go. All right. If I fail, not only do I know, but my director would know as well. Powerful. Pressure's on. So I took the test and passed. Praise emoji. Well, now I have to go through a series of interviews to include one with the director and one with the VP of operations. Oh, gosh. So now, again, I'm ready to quit. 
This is too much now. I'm not sure how I'll be received. Will these people judge me? And I convinced myself that I couldn't do the interview process, and I wanted to decline. But I always tell Draylen, which is her daughter, you have to try. So, okay, let me just go for it. I did, and it went well. And now a couple months later, I'm here in the role, doing well. It was so hard, though, to step out of my comfort zone in the job I had been doing for 10 years, the job that I was confident in, my abilities, good to great. The job that I excelled in, the job that it was familiar to me. But I thought about it as you taught this lesson and all last year, God was preparing me for leadership. Let me teach you real quick. Pause for a second. Every one of you, God's training you for leadership. Every one of you. I don't care your age. I don't care your past. I don't care your profession. He's training you for leadership. And he wants to use that as a gift in here to impact people's lives. Placing me in situations and positions, forcing me to step up and out, which is not my thing. So I had to let good, comfortable go and get great growth. Is there still more to that? Nope, that's it. Okay, there we go. So give God praise. The rest of it I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a little bit towards the end of the sermon. But give God praise for that real quick. Let me see you give a little hand. <clears throat> Marquis is in a place, in a job she was comfortable in where it was good, and she stepped out in faith and took a test that she was afraid to fail in, and she walked into great and man, I just love what God's doing. If you've got your Bibles, do me a favor. Open up the book of 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13. If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. We'll have it on the screen. You'll be able to read along. 2 Kings 13. As you are turning there, we are in a series called Greater Things, which you've kind of already heard about. The series is based on John 14, 12, where Jesus said that whomever believes in me will do the things that I have been doing and will do even greater things, for I am going to be with the Father. And so we've been, we've been believing that God wants to do something greater in all of our lives. He wants to give us greater faith. He wants to make our marriage greater. He wants to make our relationship with our kids greater. He wants to make our, our impact greater. He wants to, to make our ministry greater. He wants to do, he wants to make everything greater in our lives. Not prosperity. That's not what I'm speaking about. More impactful. Something that makes us more uh, in an intimate relationship with him. He wants it to be greater. And so we've been following the life of a prophet by the name of Elijah. And we've been seeing how he went from a good life of being in the field, uh, plowing, into a great life of operating as one of the greatest prophets to ever operate for the kingdom of God. And in two weeks, when we close this series, we're going to talk about the real greatness that he got to see in his life. And so we've been following around, and we've talked about um, greater perspective last week. We've talked about a greater strategy for struggle. We've talked about how to let go of good and embrace great. We've talked about how there's greater inside of you. We've just gone through this whole process of following following the life of Elijah. And here's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk about in the process of going a greater distance, okay? Going a greater distance. So 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14 goes like this. Now let me, let me catch you up first before we start reading it. Elijah has been the representative of God to the king of Israel and has helped him win battles and has helped him do all these different things. And now Elijah's on his deathbed. What we will actually see in two weeks from now, we'll see Elijah die. And so Elijah's sick with the sickness that's going to uh, eventually kill him. And the king of Israel's freaking out because he's been the representative of God for him. So now he doesn't know, what am I going to do when Elijah dies? So I'm going to go to Elijah and figure out this. How can I make sure I go the greater distance without you, right? So here's where we pick up, verse 14. Now Elijah had been suffering from the illness from which he died. So spoiler alert right there, right? You ever had somebody read the end of a movie to you? Well, in Avengers, they know, you know, I'm not going to do it to you. But um, it's just kind of a spoiler alert. Boom, he's obviously going to die. 
So uh, Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elijah said, get a bow and some arrows. Anybody in here shoot bow and arrow? Anybody in here shoot bow and arrow? All right, three of you. So we will have, good thing I didn't bring the bow and arrow for illustration. It would have been pointless. Get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. So take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. When he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Okay. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram. And Elijah declared, you will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. And he said, take the arrows. And the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and he stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will only defeat it three times times. In the process of pursuing God's greater for us, how do we make sure that we don't stop short? How do we make sure we don't stop short? Number one, in order to make sure that we don't stop short, we need to know what we're aiming at, okay? You can't know if you stop short if you don't know what the goal was to begin with. If you don't know what your goal is, how do you know if you succeed, How do you know if you fail? We have to know what we're aiming at. Look at verse 17 and watch what Elijah says to the king of Israel. He says, open the east window, right? It's interesting that he didn't say open the window. Open a window. There were probably multiple windows in the room, but he specifically said open the east window. He's given directive to him. He's picking out a position. He's given him a destination. You need to open. Well, what if I just open? No, 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 no. Don't open that window. Well, what if I open this one? No, no. Open the east window. Why would he tell him that? Because Aram was out of the east window. So the people that he was fighting with, the, the, the arena that he needed victory in, was located outside of the east window. So he could have shot an arrow out of the west window, but he wouldn't have shot it over Aram. He would have shot it over somebody else. And that's not where he wanted his victory. He wanted his victory over Aram. So Elijah said, open the east window and shoot your arrow over Aram. Elijah was teaching him this. You will have victory wherever you aim. But if you're not aiming, you will have victory nowhere. If any of y'all were coming to church this morning, you happened to get on I-24, we learned this through some of our Dream Team members, there was a lot of traffic backed up on I-24 because they were doing construction and different things. And if you live in any area of the greater Nashville area, you know what it's like to be in interstate traffic, right? You know what that's like. And I don't know about you, but one of the most heaven sins for me is an app called Waze. Y'all, anybody have that app? Waze, W-A-Z-E. Waze is way better than Siri's Google Maps, and here's why. Because Waze operates by taking information from other people who are out on the road who might say, hey, Google Maps don't know this yet, but that road's blocked. So here's a greater pathway, right? Here's a greater pathway to be able to get to your distance. But there's something really interesting about the Waze app. As if I open it and I just click on the app and it opens, there you would think it was broken because nothing happens. But there's a bar up at the top that has two words, 
And once you start typing, those words disappear. But here's the two words. Where to? Where to? Because Waze app cannot give me direction to be able to get to the distance I'm wanting to get to if the app doesn't know where I want to go. Right? Can't give me a better direction. It can't say, oh, you shouldn't go this way. You should go that way because you can get here quicker if you go around that way and take this left and go that right. They can only say it if they know where I'm going. And so it's important that I know where I'm going. Once you know what you want, you can measure whether or not you got it. We have to quit. Watch this. We have to quit praying generic prayers and expecting God to do specific results. It doesn't work that way. You can't just say, God, I want you to bless my life, and then expect him to do something specifically with your finances. You need to have specific prayers. You need to be able to aim. There's a reason why Elijah said, shoot the arrow out the east window. If you want victory over Aram, shoot your arrow over Aram. If you want victory in your marriage, then pray specifically for your marriage, right? If you want something happening greater in your finances, pray specifically for your finances. If you want something to happen in school, pray specifically for school. If you want something to happen in your job, pray specifically for your job. Start aiming for the area that you want God to do something greater in. This is what we talked about at the very beginning of the series. It was like, listen, before we walk out of here and expect God to do greater things, we need to start focusing and aiming in on what do we want God to do something great in. Listen, I know I'm with you. I want God to do greater in everything, right? Everything. But there's seasons for things. And not only are there seasons for things, but there has to be effort for me. And so God, all throughout Scripture, you always see it. Jesus will ask specifically, what do you want? What do you want? You want to be made well? What do you want? What do you want? We talk, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago. He always asked what do you want. He never asked how do you want it done. Because he was always wanting to know specifically where do you need? What, what, what do you want? What, what, what are you wanting? Where, where do you need? You know, there's a moment where you kind of focus in. Let me ask you this question. I'm going to ask it again next week in a different way. If what's the one thing that if it got better in your life, your life would be greater? You ever thought that? What's the one thing? Is it your money situation? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is it, is it your physical state? Is it how dirty your bathroom is? Like, what is it that if you just fix that one thing, your life would immediately get better? What if we started aiming at that and praying and working on that specifically? You would come back here seven days from now with a greater life. I think we make God more difficult than it should be, Right? We walk out of here, God, I want greater things. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know. It's a step process. It's a step process. I think the world teaches us, watch this, that if we want something really bad, we prove it with passion. We prove it with passion. Oh, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to yell louder. I, I'm, I'm going to cry more. You know, I'm, I'm going to show passion that I really, I really, really want this. I really, really, really want this. All throughout my life, especially in youth ministry, this is funny, I'll pick on them because none of them are here. I would have the same students come up to me every Sunday for prayer about the same thing. And they'd be passionate about it. Pastor Troy, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to come up here every day this week. I'm going to come up here the moment I get out of school. I'm not going home until the lights go out. I'm here. I'm all, whatever you want. I would never see them again. They were so passionate about it, but they had no direction. They had no aim. They wanted things to change, but they didn't come to me saying, this is the problem. If we can fix this problem. Listen, 
Passion will never replace aim. Doesn't matter how passionate you are about your marriage, until you aim to fix it, it won't be fixed. You can be as passionate as you want to be about your finances. Students, you can be as passionate as you want to about your grades, but until you focus on something, it's not going to change. Am I right? Me and my eight-year-old, Veda, we went to a lake house back in, this is years ago, with Darla's parents, and they have a dartboard, right? And I'm not the best at darts. Um, I'm actually absolutely horrible at it. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I had learned the technique that I, you know, I'm a big man, so I could throw it really hard, and it was sick because they had like a wood board around the target, you know. And so I'm picking up these darts, and they're the real ones, the ones that will, you know, poke an eye out. And so I'm throwing them, and they're making them somewhere on the board. Some are making them on the wall. One actually went into the door one time. That was fun. And so I'm just throwing it, and I'm just chunking it like this. And it's funny. All of a sudden, my, my eight-year-old comes over, and she says, Daddy, can I throw some? So I'm like, yeah. So I give her the darts, and then I take about ten steps back, right? And she starts, she literally starts shadowing my passion. She's throwing it. They're hitting windows, right? There's one like ricocheted back behind. I think I still got hit with it, you know, even though I was behind her. Because she saw my passion, but she didn't understand my aim. And that's what happens to us. We get so passionate about God, but we don't have any aim. That's why Elijah says, open the east window. Could you imagine? Let's just take this principle that passion can replace aim, and let's apply it to one of the most popular biblical stories you've ever heard. How many of y'all are familiar with David and Goliath? You familiar with David and Goliath? This young guy, right, we use this illustration all the time. You know, this little guy goes out and defeats this big guy. And there's a verse where he says to Goliath, you come at me with sword and spear and javelin, and I come at you in the name of my God. You know, he's got his little, little thing with the stone. And he's, I was trying to imagine, what would it have been like with all that passion? If he'd have been out there going, you come at me! And he's like swinging it, you know, looking like the rock, right? Just Dwayne Johnson looking like Malcolm, just swinging over. And he's like, you come at me with sword and spear! And he's like screaming and jumping up and down. You ever seen somebody who's just crazy passionate? You come at me with spear and javelin! Ah! And he throws it, and all of a sudden the Goliath is right here. You know, he's looking like Thanos. And all of a sudden, the rock just goes. Boom. Boop, 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 ding, ding. Poof, and like Goliath steps on him. It'd be over. Because you can have all the passion you want. But if you don't have aim, nothing's going to happen. It's why David said, you, you uncircumcised Philistine. You, you're the one I'm going after. And he put it right here in the head, right? Right in the middle of the forehead. Because David knew my passion's great if I got good aim. If I can aim right, my passion just backs up my aim. So if I can aim correctly, the passion that I have to fix these situations just backs it up. I just have to know what window I need to shoot out of. Tell me, God, what, what window do I need to shoot out? Because if I know I have right aim, then I can start seeing true impact in my situation. One of the most quoted verses from the Apostle Paul, you're going to find in Philippians 3, people you love to use it all the time, talking about his race and how he's going to persevere through his race. And if you really look at it, you will actually see where Paul is trying to show us the importance of aiming correctly. Watch this. Philippians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 13. Do I have that? There we go. Verse 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my... Go. Y'all awake? Let's try this again. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my 
There we go. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the, to win the, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, look, yes, I press on. Yes, I do this. Yes, I do that. But I have a goal. I'm going after it. And so I have not arrived there yet, but I'm still pressing towards my goal. You may not have already reached your greater thing moment from when we started this, but you should at least be moving towards your goal because you know what your goal is. What is the area where you want to see greater things? If you will focus on it and aim at it and position it where you need it, then God can bring his super to tag onto your natural. And now we have a supernatural moment towards the direction in which you are aiming. Me and Darla love to do marriage counseling. And every time we sit down with a couple, the very first thing we do is we get to the bottom of the issue. We're looking for the aim of the problem. What is, because if we can start there, then we can start making progress. The, the, the temptation is to come in and go, yep, we're going to fix you in one meeting. Doesn't work that way. Let's put our directive to one thing. It's the same thing for us, church. So we have to know where we aim. Number two, we have to know that it's worth a shot. To know that it's worth a shot. Look at this. Probably the most um, Probably the, probably the most simple and at the same time just the most incredible concept and conversation you'll ever see in Scripture. Verse 17, Elijah tells the king of Israel to open the east window, and he what? Opened it. Then Elijah says, shoot, and he what? Shot. Wow. Isn't that profound? Aren't we so glad for Scripture to tell us what to do? He said to shoot, so he shot. Wow. He said to open the window, so he opened it. Wow. It seems so simple, but yet I struggle so much. God tells me to pray, and I don't. He tells me to believe, and I doubt. He tells me to give, and I make an excuse. He tells me to serve, and I find something else to do. It seems so easy, but for some reason, I struggle with it so much. God tells me, shoot the arrow, and you'll have victory. But I struggle. Does anybody else struggle? God says, pray, and you'll receive. But I, I, I know, I know, but man, when that alarm goes off, my pillow is so comfortable I can't even, it, it's never been more comfortable in this world. My blanket is literally like a cloud of heaven laying on me. And I read the Bible last time and it said you, that I should be in the presence of the comforter. And so I just feel like I'm in the presence of the comforter. And so I don't understand. Why, why don't I do it? Shoot! And you'll have victory. Give. Serve. Believe. Preach. Worship. Talk. Share the gospel. Go. If you do these things, you will receive. I know. Stop talking to me. I know. I just can't do it. Because the last time I tried to shoot, I came up short. And so now when you tell me to shoot, I fear that I'll come up short again. 
The last time I prayed for that, you didn't answer my prayer. The last time I tried to share the gospel, that person said some really bad language to me in public. The last time I gave, I couldn't pay my bills for three weeks. The last time I served, nobody spoke to me the whole time. The last time I did it, I fell short. And so now I'm afraid that I'll fall short again. And the only way to guarantee that I won't be disappointed is to just not shoot again. And here's where most Christians spend their lifetime, in what I like to call perfection paralysis. If I can't guarantee it's going to work, I just won't do it. But isn't that the opposite of faith? And so we stand in this area of perfection paralysis where we don't move, and our whole meaning, our whole reasoning behind it is this, because at least I know where I am, I can predict the outcome. But when you put me in this place, I don't know what's going to happen. You know what I found? Again, let me, let me walk you through bow and arrows, okay? For those of you that you at least know if you've seen Robin Hood or something. And so, you know, you've got the bow, and then you've got the little, little string back here, and you put the arrow, and you lock it in, and then you pull, right? Try this with me. Put your hands up in the air like this, all right? You didn't know you were going to come to this kind of church, all right? I'm getting you to praise God right now. There we go. I'm just kidding. Um, all right. We've already broken a lot of bondage right here. We'll just stay like this the whole service. Okay, so take this arm, put it out like this, like you're holding the bow, okay? <clears throat> Some of you are going to leave here today and be like, I'm buying a bow and arrow. I feel it. Now take this hand and put it like you're putting it on the string, all right? There we go. B, don't be shooting at me, bro. This is different. Okay, so get it, get it aimed, okay? You ready? All right, hold it up. Hold it like you're aiming. Aim. Here is where we, don't, don't put it down. This is going to have something to do with a certain, if you put it down, you're not getting saved, okay? So hold it up. Here we go. It's going to have something to do with the illustration. Watch. We get stuck. Watch. You ready? This is where most Christians get stuck. Between aim and action. We know what we want, right? Oh, God, I really want this. Oh, God, I really want that. Oh, God, I shoot. Ah, I don't want to shoot. Don't, don't drop your hands. Don't drop your hands. Keep them up. If I got to do it, you got to do it, okay? And we're stuck right here between aim and action. Oh, God, I'd love to see my family get saved. We'll share the gospel. Ah, what if they don't like it? God, I'd love to see my finances change. We'll start tithing. Ah, what if I can't pay my bills? God, I'd, I'd love to use my gifts for the Lord. Well, then get on the dream team and serve. Ah, what if nobody talks to me? And we get stuck between aim and action. And a lot of Christians, I keep holding them. If you can't hold them up and you start going to the Y with me five days a week. Next time you walk past a Christian, just put you, be like this. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? This is where we at. It's what we do. Aim. And have you learned something yet? Watch this. When you're stuck between aim and action, have you noticed it's exhausting? It's exhausting. Anybody else's arms hurt? Let's put them down. Oh, Jesus. All right, put them, I'm just kidding. When you're stuck between aim and action, it's exhausting. And so eventually what you'll do is you'll just walk away. Because you only got two choices. Shoot or put the bow down. Because you can only stay between aim and action so long. I once asked myself, why would somebody who once loved God so much walk away from God? 
because they found themselves stuck between aim and action and they got exhausted. And it was easier for them to put the bow down than to step out in faith that would possibly embarrass them. And so I was like, God, what do we do? I always tell y'all, I preach sermons that are really more for me. Y'all just happen to show up. And I'm like, God, what, what do I do when I'm believing you for greater things, but yet what you're asking me to do, I'm afraid of? And now I'm exhausted because I'm between aim and action. So every day I get up asking you for the same thing, even though you've already told me what to do. And then I saw verse 16. And I've read this story multiple times, but I've never, ever seen verse 16. Again, I've read it. Anybody in here read stuff and you just, if I asked you, you'd have no idea what you just read, right? All right, that's what happens. All right, welcome to, yeah, this is like book anonymous is what we're doing here. Just admit it. Um, Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. Watch this. When he'd taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. You seeing this? This is incredible. Look, Blake, come here for a second. Run up here. I I wasn't going to get anybody. I got to do this because you're not going to really, I can't really sell it unless you can see it, Okay. Um, this really, I picked you because number one, I'm, I embarrassed you last week. Number two, you're buff. And so this will work. All right. So give me that, give me that bow and arrow. Look, give me that. Look, did you, all right. Stay there for about an hour. Okay. There we go. Um, so here's what I say. Don't you be, look, um, yeah. Um, okay. So bow and arrow. So it says, Elijah comes. We're about to get really close. Okay. So good. Good. All right. And it says, Elijah puts his hands. God, you're too big. I should have picked a child. Put his hands. Let's turn this way. On his hands, right? So now the pressure is no longer on who? It's no longer on Blake. It's on me. Don't, don't go anywhere. Stay here. Okay, one time I was shooting. You can put your arms down. Cool. Just stay right. One time uh, my in-law started shooting bow and arrows, okay? And again, Veda, she's, she's an adventurous. She decides she wants to shoot bow and arrows. So we're out shooting them. And if you've ever shot a real bow and arrow, it's hard. Like you've got to have some strength to pull it back. And so she walks up, and she wants to shoot it, and um, go ahead, get it, get it. so you're, you're going to be Veda, okay, you're a little bit hairier and taller than my daughter, so that's it. So she wants to shoot, <clears throat> and she's, she's trying to aim, but she doesn't have the strength to pull back the cord, okay? And when she tries, she loses her aim, right? Because now she's pulling with all of her strength, and it just causes her to jerk. You know what I'm talking about? Am I, am I, y'all, y'all with me? You go to pull, and you're like, yo, so she loses her aim. So here's what I did. I came, this is before I ever read this verse. I came and I put my hands on her hands. And I said, babe, listen, you point, I'll pull. Right? You point, I'll pull. You focus on the aim, I'll focus on the distance. Watch this. You focus on the position, I'll focus on the performance. Okay? Listen to me. You as a Christian, it's never your responsibility to pull. It's your responsibility to point. It's never been on you to be worried about the performance. It's your responsibility to point out the position. Because once you say, God, I want that, then God says, I'm going to put my hand over your hand and I'll do the pulling. Because I'm stronger than you, I'm bigger than you, and I can see, oh, y'all ain't ready for this. Okay, I can see a better distance than what you can see. Because I'm taller than you, I'm your daddy. So I can see where it needs to go. Our temptation is we like to look at the bow and the arrow at the same time. We like to look at the target and the arrow at the same time. And we like to judge the performance of the arrow. And based off the performance of the arrow, we get afraid to step out with God. But God said, you point, I'll pull. 
Don't worry about anything else. Get up in the morning, get on your knees, and point. What do you want? Smyrna, Tennessee. What do you want? My family. What do you want? My finances. What do you want? My child. What do you want? My school. What do you want? You point and let me pull. Because if you'll focus on position, then let God worry about performance. And now watch this. This is the other thing. Okay, come back. Sorry. Hold me for a second. I'm sorry. Um, Here's the thing. Put, put, put uh, Philippians 3 back up, okay? Watch this about Paul's talking. So, oh, my goodness. You can go back to the other one. Sorry. That's, that's fine. There you go. That was just an excuse to get a breather. That's what happens when you're overweight. Um, okay. But one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Okay, now, when y'all read that, you start kind of forming your own opinion of what that means. All right, let me show you what God showed me. Go back to our arrow position. When you point, what direction are you looking? They, they have not learned that today we're going to have conversation, okay? All right, when you point, what direction are you looking? Straight. So you're looking ahead, okay? And then that means that the rope, the pulling, is what? It's behind. That's why you should, that's why you got to be in today, not in the nursery, because it's behind you. It's behind you. Am I right? The pulling, if you ever shot an arrow, when you start to pull, it goes behind you. And now the aiming is in front of you. So watch what Paul says. The way, the, the one, the one thing I do is I focus on what's ahead of me and I forget on what's behind me. Because when I know God's behind me and his hand is on my hand and he's responsible for performance and not me, I forget what's behind me. I don't even worry about it anymore. I just let my hand be there because he'll direct my hand and he'll pull the distance because he's responsible for performance and I'm responsible for position. And so God, you just put your hand on my hand and I'll do what you told me. I'll point. This is what, this is God, this is God, yeah, right here, right here. I'll just point and you Pull, and whenever you're ready, because you know how far the arrow has to go, whenever you're ready, you release, you release, and my hand is just there in your hand. You can sit down. I love you. Thank you. I'll buy you a sucker later. Man, God, how am I, how, how do I know, God, that while I'm pursuing the greater things you have for me, that I won't stop short of what you have for me, okay? Number one, aim at something. What is it? What do you want greater in? And then forget about stopping short. Forget about landing short. Forget about falling short. Forget about worrying about your performance and just know God has his hand on your hand. And if you'll do your part, he'll do his. If you point, he'll pull. 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 Just don't get caught up in trying to critique the way he pulls. Well, God, I don't know. You don't like you're pulling back far enough. I need you to stretch. You know, that's not far. He would, Shut up and point. Point. Let me pull. You position. I'll worry about performance. Is this good, church? Number three, know how far you are willing to go. When I met Darla, I instantly fell in love, and I said, I'm going to marry that girl. And she looked right past me and said, 
there's got to be a cute guy somewhere past him, the weirdo dude. And we were really different, all right? I'm from Memphis, so I was kind of grew up in the hood, earrings, white tee, backwards hat, Tim boots, chain, that kind of person. And she, she had like a, what was your truck, babe? What was the red truck? A Dodge truck. So she's, she's that kind of girl, right? She's a country girl. And her parents are um, very athletic. They, they would go to the lake and ski and go to snow and ski. And when I saw snow, I didn't come out of the house. You know, it was that kind of rule. Um, and they would go and do, like I said, they would shoot bow and arrow. I don't shoot bow and arrow. This is not like the 1820s, okay? I don't know what that's about. And so they just did a lot of things that I didn't do. And I could tell you story after story of times I tried to do what they did, and I should have went to the hospital afterwards, okay? But this is one of my favorite stories. So I said, one day, I'm going to do all it takes to get that girl, all right? So what do I got to do? I've got to impress her family, okay? Now, her dad's a bodybuilder. Let's just get that understanding. Her brother should be a bodybuilder. Let's just get that understanding, okay? So I'm going to impress him. So we go on a lake trip, all right? Me and Darla, uh, her brother Lucas and his girlfriend, who's now his wife, and then her mom and her dad. And my whole plan, I got one thing in mind. I'm about to impress this girl, and ain't nothing you can do to stop me. I'm going to go all out for this. So we get on the boat, and we're going out. And, you know, anytime my brother did something, if he put his hand in the water, I put my hand in the water. You know what I mean? If he took his shirt off, I took my shirt off. You know, I'm like, what you, gonna, what you want? I ain't got nothing on me. You know, if he crushed a Coke can, I drank one. You know, it's just whatever, whatever it would take. And so we, we're out there, and we, we pull up. We're about 30 feet away from a cliff, and people are cliff jumping. This is at Heber Springs, all right, in Arkansas. People are cliff jumping. I'm like, oh, that's, that's cute. Um, where's their parachutes? I don't see their parachutes. And so he says, um, or, or I'm sorry, his father looks at him and says, you want to go jump off that cliff? And Lucas says, yeah. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, this ain't too bad. All I got to do is like fall off, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, all right, they'll, they'll drive over here to where the land is, and we will put our boat up on the land, and we will walk to the top of the cliff like normal human beings do, and then we'll jump off the cliff. I can survive this. All I got to do is have one leg, and I can marry her, you know what I mean? She's got to hobble to the altar, you know? I'll be all right. And so all of a sudden, her brother just jumps off the boat. I'm like, where are you, where are you going? He's swimming to the cliff. Who does this? And I'm like, and it, her dad looks at me, he's like, you going to go? Yep. So I jump out the boat, and I'm swimming. <sighs> I got about four feet away from the boat. <laughs> we finally get to the edge, the bottom of the cliff, right? And I'm like hanging on to a little part of a rock near, near death. And I'm like, all right, we're going to climb our way to the land and walk up. I look up. He's climbing up the cliff, y'all. Why? So now I'm like, I got to climb the cliff. So I start climbing and my feet are slipping, you know, I'm trying to, I, I don't professionally rock climb, all right? I don't even know how this works. Um, and so I'm trying to get, and like there's, there's literally multiple times where I pray, God, if I'll just survive, I'll plant a church in Smyrna, Tennessee called Victory Church. If you just don't kill me, you know what I mean? I think that's how he got me. And so I finally, I get up to the top and I'm just like, whoo, and I'm looking down. I'm like, eh, bad idea. And so all of a sudden I, I notice there's a line of kids, right? And they're kind of running and jumping off the cliff and Lucas gets in the back of the line. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, number one, I'm exhausted. Number two, that's a really far way down. And I don't think I have what it takes to jump off of this. But, and I can see Darla from the cliff and she's about this big, still pretty. And I'm like, but I, I want to marry that girl. I, that's, that's what I'm aiming for, right? I'm going to do whatever it takes. 
and I had this epiphany, Jeff and Jeff. We should start a, should start a sitcom, Jeff and Jeff and My Three Fathers. Uh, and all of a sudden I said, in order for me to do this, I'm just going to have to run and jump, right? I can't wait anymore. And if I really want to impress them, if I'll jump before Lucas jumps. So I have this genius idea. Go. Don't even stand in line. Just the second there's a break, just go. And that kid jumped, and you could see the kids in the next line talking. I just went, ran, and I jumped. And you know what happens when you jump in the air? Let me ask you, you ever done something, and then after you do it, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You ever have one of the moments? And so I'm in the air, and it felt like about three hours, but it was probably 30 seconds. And I'm like, I've never jumped off a cliff before. How do you land? I'm like 30 feet in the air. What are you, what's the biblical way to jump off of a cliff? And so I do what we do. I revert back to what I know. I'm from the hood. I grew up in apartment complexes. We had pools. That's the only thing I've ever jumped into. So the only thing I knew was the cannonball, baby. And so about halfway down, I just went. Now, because this is a kid-friendly church, I won't give you the full descriptions of what happened after that moment. But you seem like an educated group of people. So let's just imagine if I was in the position of a cannonball and I fell a good 30, 40 feet and I hit what seemed like concrete but was probably water, what do you think would happen? I thought it was an enema. You know what I'm saying? I know. I, I'm sorry. Maybe that, wasn't, maybe that was where we went left. I just remember laying in the water like this. Just slowly floating, going, well, that was fun. Life is over. I remember they pulled me into the boat. (laughs) But you know what? Hey, I got her, right? I got her, right? Because I was aiming for something, and I was willing to go as far as it took. Listen, if you want greater in your life, how far are you willing to go for it? Look what he says, verse 18. It's incredible. Probably one of the most powerful sections of Scripture I've ever read. He says, take the arrows, and the king takes them. And Elijah tells him, strike the ground. So he takes the arrows out of the quiver, and he starts striking the ground. Boom! Which has to be very weird, right? Because most of the time when God calls you to greater things, it won't look like you think it's going to look. It'll look foolish. But God's putting you in a position to see if you'll be obedient to do the foolish things. Because when you're obedient to do the foolish things, he opens the door for the greater things won't charge you for that one. Um, Strike the ground. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. He only struck it three. One, two, three. And then he stopped. There's still arrows in the quiver. Why'd he stop? He wasn't sold out. Every arrow, he probably looked. Is it happening? Boom. And he stops. And he stops short of God's victory. And Elijah says, you should have kept striking. You should have kept going. Because if you would have kept going, you would have broken through to greater things. Look at what Marquia said. Oh, hold on. Before you put that up, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Get up, get up. She sends me the testimony through an email. And about five or ten minutes, I get another bing, you know. And I open it up, and she forgot a line. And watch this. 
This was her second email referring to her testimony before. Oh, I failed to mention that over a two to three year period, I had taken this test twice and failed both times. So yeah, God was all over this. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to take the test once, twice, three? Are you willing to keep doing it until it happens? Are you willing to keep having those conversations and keep praying and keep aiming and keep shooting? Because listen, just because the first arrow doesn't hit don't mean the second one's not. So you just keep shooting and you keep believing and you keep pulling and you keep pointing and you keep letting God and you keep pointing and you keep pointing. And however long you're willing to wait is how much impact you can have. Right before I was coming here early in the morning and trying to pray and go over this and I felt the Lord tell me this. Three is a very significant number in the Bible. And he struck the ground three times. Two times where that number is very significant. Once is when it comes to Peter's uh, failing of professing his following of Christ, right? It says he denied him three times, the rooster crows, and then y'all know the rest. Jesus resurrected after three days. So the number three represents man's most famous failure and yet represents Christ's biggest victory. So us stopping short would be our most famous failure. But we know that we can rely on Christ who thinks to his repentance and grace and help and glory and resurrected life that even if we stop short, we still get a second chance. That it doesn't have to be. Do you remember when it fast forward and Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, do you love me? Peter says, yeah. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Then he asks Peter again, do you love me? Yeah. One more time. Do you love me? Yeah. He asked him three times. He denied him three times. So Jesus asked him three times to be able to wipe that out and to create a new slate. Listen, what happened from whenever to right now is done. It's a new slate. We might have stopped short. We might be in a position where we've been so focused on what we can and can't do, and so we've doubted God. Listen, it's a new slate. It's a time to start over. It's a time to start believing, start, start aiming, start trusting God, and then be willing to sell out to it and do whatever we have to do until we experience. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you. How many of you believe God's got something greater for you? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? There's a point where faith without works is dead. So if we believe it, now we have to start operating like we believe it. So do me a favor for a second. Just close your eyes. And I want to ask you this question again. If there's one area in your life where if today it got better, your life would be greater, what is it? Boom. You just had it come in your mind. Don't open your eyes yet. It just came into your mind. Don't try to think about something easier or less sacrificial. Whatever hits your mind first is that thing. That's what God wants you to aim for. God wants to give you greater in that area of your life. But you've got to aim. So put it in your mind. Keep your eyes closed. Actually, I tell you what, look at, look at me, look at me. <laughs> ha! 
Do this real quick. Do it. Do it real quick. All right. Do it. Do it real quick. Put, put this thumb up. And look at that thumbnail. If you, if you have a thumbnail. Imagine that that's it. God, I want greater in that area. God, I want greater in my marriage. God, I want greater in my finances. I want greater in my faith, God. I want to see a greater move of you. That's what we're talking about coming up when we get out of this. We, we believe God's going to do a greater move through this church and in us. And this. We're going to talk about that. Oh, y'all, y'all are not even ready for that. You better get popcorn and Coke and get ready. It's going to be insane. But whatever, whatever, I want greater. I want greater. I want greater. God, that's what I want. That's what I want. Now listen. Now listen. Stay focused on that. Right now, right now, you're already starting to think about the excuses and why God can't do greater in that. And that's the pool. That's the pool. And when you feel the pool, that's God. And so the very reason that you're filling a pool is because the Holy Spirit wants to make greater in that area. But you have to be willing to forget what's behind you and focus on what's ahead of you. And now here's the question for you. Keep looking at it. I know your arms are hurting. I'm sorry. Keep looking at it. Here's the question for you. How far are you willing to go for it? Are you willing to sell out? Are you willing to slam five, six, seven, eight, nine arrows so that you can see victory in that area? Now take your hands and put them like this right here. God, we need you. I believe that there are people in this place that we want greater in these areas of our lives. And Lord, you've already confirmed in our heart this morning that it has nothing to do with our performance and it's everything to do with you. But God, we do want to sell out. We don't want to stop short. We want to give you all that we have. We want to give you our lives and our sacrifice for you so that this can happen. So God, right now, would you give us strength would you give us awareness? Lord, would your Holy Spirit come and anoint us and prepare us and position us so that we can operate and see your greater in those areas of our lives? Would you continue to confirm and affirm those areas in everybody's life in this room? And God, we're moving ahead, believing for a greater distance, a greater distance, and we will not stop short not because of any other reason, but that we're going to chase after you. Paul said, I'm going to press toward you. Press toward, press, press in, press toward the goal until the coming of Christ. There's never an end, church. Your marriage can always be greater. Your finances can always be greater. Your faith can always be greater. God's promise on your life can always be greater. So make the decision right now that you will press forward regardless, continual, more intimacy of God, more relationship with God until I reach the ending of my race. And when I look back, I'll see you in reverse and I'll go, wow, look at the greater things you did in my life. Greater is not a destination, it's a determination. Lord, we love you. We want to be a part of a move of you that operates by the speed of you so that we can look back on our lives and say we, we gave ourselves as, as living sacrifices to impact people with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. Bring greater in our life, we pray. Help us to aim and position and not worry about the pool. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.